is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Today is Friday, September 23rd. It is Keenan Troy back in the hosting chair for the second week in a row. We're getting a little bit more comfortable now with the incredible Nick Guzman, who was called out last week by our own James Burley. James was supposed to be on this week's show and uh, was MIA, decided he wanted to blow it off. So, you know, James firing those shots last week at Nick, not following through on his staff assignment. It's a sad day when me and Michael Hernandez, the seniors, are carrying this broadcast. But we are joined by a freshman, Chris Carina. Chris, is this your first on-mic appearance for WFUV? I think it is. I think it is. Well, how are you, my friend? Welcome to the glorious world of all things soccer here at WFUV. You know what? Uh, I'm just so thankful, guys, uh, how welcoming everyone's been since I've gotten here just a few weeks ago. Uh, just a 17, 18-year-old kid from New Jersey, and now I'm in New York City on a podcast about something I'm really passionate about, and it's pretty awesome. So. This podcast kind of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people tune in. I was a listener. You were a school. listener. I was. How do you think we did? I thought it was great. Wow! Whoa! <laughs> Give some skin, <laughs> there you go. I just, I think it's, I think it's following something that a lot of kids are really interested about, and I think the sport is growing in this country in a rapid, alarming way. And I think that you guys are kind of at the forefront of it here. Before we start, I just want to say, I did not not follow through on a staff assignment. Okay, James did. He was assigned to this podcast this week, and where is he? Keenan, do you see James Burley anywhere? I mean, unless he's hiding under the table. No. Chris, you see him anywhere? Michael? You know what? I don't. Back there anywhere? No? So, that means he doesn't follow through. I have not been assigned an FUVFC for a number of weeks. I've been busy calling men's soccer, Ford and men's soccer on ESPN Plus. Flex, play by play. A little bit of a flex. And women's soccer sometimes. Dual flex. Dual flex. So, I think it's a little bit unfair for me to be slandered. I'm here now, like kind of like an absent father. I'm back now. You got it. <laughs> Take me for what I am. <laughs> you can't say that. Man. That was a great analogy. Anyway, getting into today's main topic, the only thing we're going to talk about, we don't know how long it's going to last us. We've got at most 55 minutes. Probably going to be a little bit under that before we start beating the dead horse, and it's a shame James Burley isn't here because he loves the men's national team probably more than he loves his own mother. And he loves Aaron Long, who got a start at center back today in the United States' is First of two friendlies leading up to the Qatar World Cup, dropping this one to 24th in the world, Japan. 2-0. The United States did not register a shot on target. You know, gave the ball away 25 times in the first half inside their own defensive third. I think we got to start with the defense, boys, because 
when you see the Sam Vines long, Walker Zimmerman, and Serginio Dest back four, obviously no Anthony Robinson. But with the exception of him, you know, it's still Burhalter trying to figure out who are going to be our, you know, back two. You think Walker Zimmerman's a shoe in but the way he played today, definitely some eyebrows raised there. And Aaron Long, I know James is probably going to listen to this and hate what's about to come out of my mouth. He, he doesn't belong in Qatar. After today's performance, it was a match in which Aaron Long could have gone out in there and cemented himself maybe a bench position. That's probably his ceiling in terms of where he's going to be on this team. His distribution out of the back was horrendous. And, I mean, maybe you could make that claim because the midfield wasn't checking in, but we'll get into the midfield later. For a team that loves to get forward from the wide spots and kind of play this new hybrid form of 4-3-3 that, you know, at times shifts into a back three with a, a the six, if that's Tyler Adams or Weston McKinney dropping in and letting the fullbacks push forward. We didn't see any of that today. You know, a couple okay services from Sam Vimes. That's maybe a silver lining, but... All in all, if it's not for Matt Turner, you can pretty much scrap the back four for probably three or four goals because they were terrible. Here's what I'll say about the back four. you can. I thought Sam Vines was all right, but you can tell Anthony Robinson was missing. And I think, I mean, that left back spot, everybody knows it's his if he's healthy. And I think Matt Turner submitted himself well in goal. I mean, everything that's gone on with Zach Steffen the last couple months, even the last year, just some awful errors, you know, the – the big claim with him is that he's great with his feet, but then he makes all kinds of errors with his feet all the time. I think Turner's cementing himself as the starter in Qatar. And then Dest has right back locked down seemingly, but the two center backs. Now, I'm a person who goes to a lot of Red Bulls games. Me and James cover them for FUV. We're there for almost every home game. Aaron Long is a good to very good MLS center back. He's not an elite MLS center back anymore. He was in 2018. He was in 2019. Then he popped his Achilles. Unfortunate. He's still fast, but he does not quite have the same recovery speed that he used to. James might not like that I say this. If I think Aaron Long is going to go to Qatar, but he can't start. There's no way he can start. I think Walker Zimmerman's a guy who looked better next to somebody like Miles Robinson who could who had speed to cover. Aaron Long also with speed, but nowhere near the same speed as Miles Robinson. But the center backs are an issue. I, I, if Chris Richards was, was available, I would like to see Walker Zimmerman next to Chris Richards and see how that works. But I think the problem is when you go beyond long and I look at the options on the bench and people who came on, I mean, I don't think Mark McKenzie is that much better than Aaron Long, nor Eric Palmer-Brown. I know people, just because they play in Europe and they get minutes, that they're automatically better than Aaron Long. I don't know if that's the case, but I, 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 I'm almost certain Chris Richards is a better option I know once we get to Qatar, Chris, Aaron Long can't start. I I agree, because when you kind of look at that game today, it feels like Zimmerman had a bad day. It feels like Long, that's where his quality of play is right now. Like, it doesn't feel like Long just had a bad day today. It didn't feel like he is a lot better than how he played today. It kind of feels like this is where he's at in this current stage of play. I'm not saying anything about his play, you know, prior a couple years ago, but in this current moment, on this date, I feel like that's how good he is, and I feel like a guy like Zimmerman just kind of had a bad day today, and I feel like his quality of play is good enough to get him maybe in that 11 when we get to Qatar in 58 days. Yeah, and I think, you know, we see Burhalter trying to amend that awful first half, which saw the United States go down 1-0 on a turnover by 
McKenney, who had another bad yeah. day. But in trying to amend that defense, he brings on Mark McKenzie, who I think you touched on well, Nick. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be going to Qatar. I just don't think he's got enough experience with this team. Not that I really value experience with this team because if we've seen anything consistent throughout Greg Berhalter's tenure as United States men's national team is that there is no consistency. So we see McKenzie introduced. He played an okay second half. I think the defense looked a little more sure of themselves in the second half. Then Reggie Cannon gets on and he gets absolutely taken for lunch on that second goal. Gets burnt, never recovers. Tyler Adams on that second goal, too, just kind of afraid to put a foot in. And then Walker Zimmerman does a pretty lousy job closing down the Japanese attacker who slots a really well-finished ball past Turner in net. But I think that goal was indicative of how far off the United States is because the first goal was a turnover that led to a goal. So you can kind of say, like, oh, we weren't in our defensive shape. But that... Second goal was, yes, it was a little bit against the run of play, but even still, the United States had at least two opportunities, if you watch the highlight in full, of where they could put in a foot and, you know, maybe win the ball, but at the very least, obstruct the path to goal, and they're unwilling to do so, and, you know, Japan is worse than every team in the United States group in terms of, you know, FIFA global rankings, and the fact of the matter is, is if you want to have success at the World Cup, they're going to be teams with a lot scarier attacks than Japan that will happily pick you apart the way the United States was dispatched of early today. I was really, really, really disappointed with, you know, the play of the midfield and the way we built out of the back in general. We know that's something that Craig Berhalter's emphasized. We just could not get the ball past our midfield and up to our attackers. I think I was really disappointed with Tyler Adams, who has had a great start to the season for Leeds, but just wasn't really on it today. Weston McKenney, I don't think, has been that great for Juventus so far this year, um, and he didn't play great. Um, I think we were definitely missing Eunice Musa in there, just as a guy who can hold on to the ball, make a man miss, and sort of spring the attack forward. I think that's a big, big loss, and he, he needs to be healthy come World Cup time. But I think you've seen this midfield trio of Adams, McKenney. Today was De La Torre, who I like, but usually it's Musa, the Adams, McKenney, Musa trio. When they're on, we've seen them in, in the World Cup qualifier at home in. Cincinnati against Mexico against a very good team. When they're on, they can dominate games, and they can really control the tempo. But on a day like today when Tyler Adams' passing range was not evident at all, Weston McKenna was giving balls away left and right, it, it, it made things so much more difficult for the U.S. to build out of the back. And I think looking ahead towards the World Cup against a team like England or a team like Wales with Gareth Bale, who's been you know not great for LAFC, but you know he turns it on when he plays for Wales – Against a team like that with, with genuine attacking quality, you can't give the ball away more than once or twice in the midfield in a bad spot like they, like they did today. It was it was five, six, seven, eight times in really, really bad spots. If they do that at the World Cup, they're going to get punished. It's going to be an early exit. I And when you look at that game today, you can't help but think, like, what would Harry Kane do to this defense? Like, it, you can't help but think that. And that's really the scariest it's going to be. You know, it's on Black Friday. It's going to be a big occasion. Everyone's going to be watching the game, maybe one of the most watched soccer games in this country in a really long time. And I just, I don't know how we're going to combat that. It's maybe, it's obviously just as a team, one of the best teams in 
tournament, but maybe just on an attacking level, like they're going to destroy. If this is how they're going to play, it's going to be a long game for that entire U.S. defense. And I think you have to, I think it's a creativity problem too, because you were talking about how they would slot Adams in to kind of run CDM and then push the wingers up. When you're struggling to not even get a shot on target, I feel like a guy like Desk is, he's like very, like it's a, it's a necessity to kind of bring him up and kind of play just to get something going. I feel like they were kind of complacent today. And when you talk about that Mexico friendly and kind of games like that where that midfield, especially McKenney and Adams, kind of run the game and they're kind of holding the tempo all the way from zero to 90. Like it feels like it's almost a character problem and it feels like maybe they didn't even care today. Yeah. And we'll get to Greg Burhalter at the end of this after we break down each level because he did say something similar, Chris. He said that there's a character problem and the guys didn't look ready to come to play and me personally, as as much as that may ring true, I have a lot of grievance with the way he lined up the team, with the way he runs soccer point-blank period, and how that statement is just a really poor thing to say when you're two months away from the World Cup. But we are talking about the you know defensive flaws here, and our good friend James Burley is the voice of the voiceless on Twitter, always willing to... <laughs> make a fight over some Red Bulls take or the United States men's national team. And today was the United States men's national team. And he, I credit to James for saying this. And I think it's been, you know, if you're following the U S passionately on their Reddit, on their Twitter, however you, you know, engage with a fellow U S men's national team fan, that lack of effort was really, really appalling in the midfield. You know, McKinney, obviously given the ball away, that led to the goal, but he was just when the United States is trying to build out of the back with two center backs and Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long that aren't technically that good with their feet in the sense that they can't, yeah, they can string together some passes, but they're not going to give you, you know, world-class service, Virgil van Dyke-esque 50-yard pings into feet of your attacker. It's going to have to be built in pretty rudimentary passes. There was no checking in from the midfield. And when they went forward, it was, you know, no creativity, which accounts for the United States' lack of an ability to get anything moving in the Japanese attacking third. And so here we are saying, you know, I think if Musa's not fit for the World Cup, Gio Reina has to play in the midfield. Because the truth of the matter is those two are the only guys – and yeah, you could maybe say Pulisic, but I just don't think that he's been in that kind of a role in recent memory. I mean, you'd probably have to go back to, you know, post-2018 United States men's national team where he would sometimes play as an, you know, as a six. So I think Gio Reyna, besides Musa, is the most familiar of playing in that midfielding role. And if Musa's not fit for the World Cup or... No, something happens to him at the World Cup, it has to be Reyna because as much as I love Luca De La Torre, it's seemingly that there's no cohesion and there's, you know, something's off, whether it's the lack of effort from your two pivots, not checking in to get the ball, or, you know, the combination of passes in the midfield. Today just looks stagnant, look gross, and, you know, for a, a generation of U.S. soccer that has so many people excited, especially because of the talent in that midfield, you know, guys that the United States has been showing off for, you know, when these guys are good, we're going to be amazing. To see them get undressed by a good Japanese press, 
but still a Japanese press that was breakable at times if you put in the effort to break it. And the effort wasn't there, which, you know, in turn led to the first goal and led to an overall sloppy performance today in Germany. I like the way your brain is working with putting Reina in the midfield, but I would, I'll take you back to June in a friendly against Morocco when Brendan Aronson played in the midfield and put on an absolute masterclass. I think I'd rather have Aronson in there before I put Reina in the midfield just because of his work rate. And, you know, he just never, ever stops. And I thought, I think if, if Moose is not fit, I think it's got to be Aronson in that midfield. But, you know, the problem of breaking lines is something we've seen. And you talked about having a ball-playing center back, which we don't have right now. But, like, we do. Like, John Brooks exists, but he's not going to get called back in. What did he do to Greg Berhalter? He's just not – I just I don't think he's No, fast. no, he had to do something. I think there's something personal. But, like, what he says about his game is that he's not quick enough. Like, Walker Zimmerman isn't quick. But like Aaron Long moves like he's got you know. Aaron Long is allegedly fast. Allegedly. Allegedly, that's allegedly. what people say, but I don't really it's believe like it. Like Levar Ball. Yeah, I, I don't. I dropped fifty four in college. He oh, definitely wait. used to be a very very fast center back, but then he tore his Achilles. Like how like it's it makes sense that he's not going to have the same amount of pace. Right. But and I think John Brooks is not going to get a call. Um, he's at Benfica now. Um, Tim Ream can also play those kinds of balls sometimes, but I don't think he's going to get a call either because in terms of play, it's the similar gripe that he has with Brooks. But the whole idea that he needs to play high line is kind of dumb, in my opinion. Because, like, are we going to play high line against England? And 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 all the speed they have up front, like, we're going to get absolutely torched. But if he's insisting on playing a high line, there won't be Brooks, there won't be Ream, it'll be Zimmerman and somebody else. But I think Aronson in the middle is something that that I'd be interested in trying, or Reyna. I just think I like Aronson a little bit more just because of his, his work rate. I... Logistically, I think Aronson or Reyna in the middle just works because they both play the wings today, and obviously they're maybe the two most talented American players right now. Like if we're really gonna like stack it pound for pound, those two guys are unbelievable. And I think in that midfield, you're gonna need that kind of talent where it's just like, wow, that guy has a chance to be a world class player in the future. And you need one of those guys just in there. And then when you slot either of them in and you look at that midfield, it's like, wow, that's an above average World Cup midfield. Like when you just think about it, especially European, like European like contention how they've been playing over there like when you put it all together they look like an above average world cup midfield and then what I, what I want to say about McKinney is that I really like him but he's such a hard guy to root for just in general like he doesn't ever look like he tries that much exactly but then you watch him like I watched him two or three weeks ago look like he belonged on the pitch with PSG in a Champions League game and he scored that crazy header like I feel like it's when he wants to be good he really can be and I think he brings an edge to this team just in how he's with like other players and how he kind of gets in guys faces I think it's an edge that the US team has needed for a long time because I feel like this team has been very PG and all that for a very long time. You know, you don't know where I'm from, dog, Clint Dempsey, all that kind of situation. And I feel like guys like Reyna and McKenney kind of bring that edge to this team that they haven't had. So I think that they're more than important. Under, uh, important's an understatement. Those guys really need to play well and just bring that mentality that's been missing. And also the the whole formation changes when Captain America comes back, Kristen Pulisic, obviously, who we haven't really totally dived into yet. But he kind of runs the show, obviously, from – what we've seen in past competitions. Yeah, and let's let's transition into the the forward play today. So starting front three of Reyna, Ferreira, Aronson. Obviously no Timmy Weah. He's still out. No Pulisic. He picked up a small knock, and Burhalter I think, is in conservation mode. So that left Jesus Ferreira getting the nod at number nine with no PFOC brought into the club. Uh, excuse me, into the national side for this 
these friendlies for whatever reason. It's not like he's playing some of the best soccer of his career in Germany or for any. a first place team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's just forget about that, <laughs> Greg, because oh, he doesn't wear Jordan one mids, bro. You either go high or you go low. I'm sick <laughs> of seeing him step out in mids. Agree, but I I digress. Ferrer gets the call. Obviously, no Pulisic changes how you know this attacking three works. I think it forces your hand to play Jesus Ferreira, who, boys, call the hearse. His national team career is over. He's going to start in guitar. That's what you don't understand. No. He's going to start in guitar. I refuse to allow that to happen. He had one, The only chance, really, the United States had going forward today was that cross that found Ferreira's head on the six-yard bo- six box unmarked, and he skies it. Like, come with the man, come with the hour, come with the man. He ain't cometh. So I think that's a big question mark is still who's going to play number nine. People are calling for Josh Sargent saying he needs to be left out. Why is he getting brought back in? I think at the end of the day, it's like he had negative service in the time that (laughs) James Varley's texting me. Sorry. But Ferreira and Sargent, one had service, one didn't. Sargent didn't have service. And I think it's hard to, you know, condemn him for just an overall lousy play from the midfield. Same can be said about Reyna. Same can be said about Aronson. Aronson did have that shout when it was still 1-0 in the second half, around the 75th minute. Curler missed wide. He showed glimpses of how good he's been at leads, at running at defenders, creating space just simply by using his body. If and when Pulisic comes back for Saudi Arabia... I think we're going to get the closest we're going to see to a true national team front three. But the question still remains is, what is Greg Berhalter doing off the bench? Why, oh, why is Jordan Morris seeing playing time in a meaningful friendly? Uh, Nick, I'll kick it to you first. What? We still don't have a number nine. And so rather than bring – the real reason I'm upset with Jordan Morris is because we know what Jordan Morris brings to the table. And so you have a giant question mark at number nine. You've got in your head four guys that you're comfortable playing out wide. Reyna, Pulisic, Aronson, Wea, if and when he's fit for Qatar. You have a giant question mark at number nine. Why not give – you want to give Ferrer a shout? That's fine. You want to give Sargent a shout? That's fine. PFOC, again, playing some of the best soccer of all United States guys fit. And he doesn't get a shout because you want to take Jordan Morris, who you know what he's going to give you, which is terrible on-the-ball technique, run like he's constipated, and just provides absolutely nothing in terms of service or in terms of class for this footballing program. It's funny because Jordan Morris isn't even having a good year. Like, he scored seven goals in 27 games with two assists in MLS. Like, that's an average year. He's had very good years in MLS. Like, 2020, 11 goals, eight assists in 27 games. That's That deserves a national team call-up. What he's doing right now does not. But I can't say as to why he brought him on. I mean, I think Paul Ariola is a guy who's like, I think, is like pretty much going to go to Qatar, and I'm fine with that. Jordan Morris is like hanging on the edge of the plane right now. Um, I don't think he should go. I don't think he will go. Just there's no need for that on the team. If everyone's fit, if you've got Wea, you've got Reyna, you've got Aronson, you've got Pulisic, where does he, where does. Where does Morris fit in that equation? He shouldn't. He should not factor in. And the thing is, is Jordan, like, the reason I'm so upset that he's there and not PFOC, because if you play relatively small, Jesus Ferreira, 
and he can't get going, and you need to steal one late. You know, we saw, I know this is maybe a little bit of a shout, but when Fellaini was on Everton, <laughs> when Fellaini was on United, or even Belgium when, too. Belgium too. They'd be like, go, you're 6'4, go play striker. We'll just hit service at, at you, and you'll just try and win a header. Like, PFOC brings that edge into where if it's a late game and you're chasing, he gives you as good as a chance as you have on, you know, say your 30-man depth chart of a guy who can go steal a game late just purely because of his physical capabilities, and Jordan Morris provides nothing off the bench that can even equate to that. Fellaini's done that exact same thing against Japan in the World Cup in 2018 yeah, in that yeah. when their wild comeback. Yeah. I mean, I think you need to bring PFA to the World Cup exactly for what you just said. If you need a goal late, you need someone tall who can score a header, throw in the box. Who does that hurt? You've got three extra roster spots this year. Use one on PFOC if you weren't going to bring him originally. Um, I don't know how I feel about Jesus Ferreira right now. Fraud. Maybe he's a fraud. I don't know. Fraud. He He's good in the buildup. He's is he, is he is he even though or is that just like something people say? He's okay. Yeah, like but nobody's paying. Nobody wants him there to be. We good need somebody in the to score goals. We've got three like not really attacking midfielders, and then like two like if you have any sort of attacking sense, you go to the wing. So that's already we're limited to like three attacking players at maximum. We need somebody who scores goals in those front three. It can't be somebody who's like just keeps the play moving because who the hell is going to score the goals? It's like it 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 gets a little it gets a little weird when when you've got Jesus up there. I don't know how I feel about Josh Sargent either. I mean, he's kind of like the Erling Holland of the championship right now, <laughs> just scoring goals for Norwich for fun. But this is a rare time where we have strikers who are scoring goals, you know, in all their leagues, in MLS, in the championship, in Germany. All of our strikers are really scoring right now except for Ricardo Pepe. But, I mean, in terms of form, he can pick anybody, and I feel like it's going to be Jesus, but I really don't think it should be. And I... I've- I have an option, but it's obviously not ideal. I think you kind of take a page out of the playbook of a lot of the big European giants right now. Just tell one of those midfield boys, like, hey, you're false nine, like, right now. Like, just go Gio Reyna false nine. Tell him to go score. Like, he's such a good player. And any of them, McKenney, I mean, obviously Tyler Adams is not going to play in a false nine. But those two guys, even Aronson, like, if you're not going to play one of them on the wing, especially when Pulisic comes back, like, just put them in the middle. They don't have to play super up. Just play them in a false nine and kind of just let it happen. They're so much better than everyone else, especially the shambles the striker position is in right now. They're so much better than everyone else that them in a false nine almost is more valuable than anything they're even going to have right now. Yeah, and I think with the Pulisic injury, that was a real rain on my parade because we've said on this podcast a couple times that we want to see Gio Reyna try to play a number nine, a false nine for this team, but then he was injured and then Pulisic gets injured, so we haven't had the chance to, you know, see the stars align. And then with, you know, obviously Aronson's in really good form, but you have to think Tim Way is going to be a, a factor at some point in this roster in the World Cup, so... It's, it's frustrating that the Pulisic and Wea injuries occurred when they did, and even the Musa injury too, just because his lack of a presence probably changes the way a false nine plays, to be honest, just because of how good he is going forward, that you know even as good as De La Torre can be, you, you favor Musa playing balls into the, you know, into the run of your wingers building off that false nine. So it'll be interesting to see how they line up against Saudi Arabia. The sad thing is, is the 26 they have is the, are the 26 they've got. The one silver lining on a player side is that it does appear, though, Matt Turner is our number one. Played really well today. Two goals. I mean, 
neither of which you can ask him to do anything else. I thought a couple times his distribution was a little suspect, but to quote the great James Burley, who did make me chuckle when I was you know, reading earlier, says, make sure to mention that the center backs, we can lump Turner into this, can't effectively dis- distribute the ball if the midfielders don't move and have been set up to fail by the coach. So I think, you know, extending to some of Turner's sloppiness in the back in terms of distribution, it goes back to that earlier point of you've got, you're playing to two center backs who effectively don't know how to pass, and you're playing to midfielders who aren't checking in, so you're going to have to ping it right into their feet or you're going to turn the ball over, which they did plenty of. So, I, you know, I'm not going to rush to judge Turner's distribution off of today because so much of that build-up play was, you know, completely devoid of any sense because of the way Burhalter either set them up or the way they wanted to compete. I mean, the ratio of his, like, shot-stopping ability compared to Zach Steffen's, like, distribution, I take Turner's shot-stopping ability any Easily. day of the week. I mean, Zach Steffen's had some absolutely awful moments on big stages. The Liverpool, Man City, uh, FA Cup semifinal, giving the ball away for a free Liverpool goal. Like, that just can't happen on the World Cup stage. Turner's my number one, but in terms of the way just the whole team is coming together in terms of passing and distribution, you either need a ball-playing center back or you got to tell the midfielders to work a little bit harder and get into better areas. I understand why you want to play out of the back, but right now in your back line, you don't really have the players to like be able to do that with Matt Turner and Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman. It's easy to say you want to build a philosophy for your program, that you're going to build it out of the back this is a far cry from you know 2010 2006 where it's just ping it long and that was our strategy i get what we're trying to build here but you know you have to take into account the players that are in your system and if the players in your system can't play out of the back you got to figure out a way to make it work or you can't just throw them out there and be like okay hey, play out of the back either the midfielders have to figure something out you know to come close to the ball to receive it or you got to get a center back in there who can start playing you know long ping something has to change you can't just keep throwing them out there in the way they have been, expect like ticky tack of football just appear, and I and I feel like what they don't understand from ma- from a managerial standpoint is that like you have to tailor your game plan and how you're gonna play based on the talent you have out there. Like, don't put a system out there and then force it on them if you don't have like the proper facilities to do that. I think it's kind of like, immature. I think it's honestly it's detrimental to these guys' careers, especially on a club level. Like if they're seen giving away the ball, especially a guy like Long, like he's not. This is gonna like hurt him if he's out there playing and they're playing to the back, and that's not his strength. And I just I I just think it's it's not where this team should be going. And then another thing on Stefan, I I just I kind of feel for him a little bit because I feel like at least for a little bit of time in his mind, like this was my job. Like I was the guy. I'm. Like, I'm goalkeeper one. Like, this is my job to lose. And then Turner kind of sneaks up on him. And I'm not disagreeing. Turner should play every... He should be in between the sticks for every USA game for the next eight years. But what I'm saying is that I feel bad because I feel like Stefan thought he had the job and then a few mistakes on the big stage and it kind of just evaporates out of his fingers. I honestly feel like Stefan not playing and being on the bench for Man City helped him. Yeah. Because everybody's like, oh, he's plays for Man City. He's the number two. Like, right. obviously, he's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Now that he's played, he's playing for Middlesbrough every week. He had a little bit of an injury, but when he was playing, he made a really bad mistake on a cross, I think, where he misjudged it. Yeah. Now that he's playing every week and he's at Middlesbrough, not Man City, the sort of the glamour is not there and sort of the facade has come off a little bit and everyone's kind of seeing that he's not yeah. that great of a goalkeeper. Yeah. And, boys, I think we are touching on it when we were, you know, criticizing 
you know, indirectly, but let's just call him by his name, Greg Burhalter, Triple G, as they like to call him. Keenan Troy's the bane of my existence, really, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. <sighs> he just sucks, man. Threw out a lot of first pitches this summer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he made he made his rounds. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then when you know came to do his job, he was nowhere to be found. So I think <laughs> we kind of touched on the formation. If we want to, you know, keep going with that, we can. But I'm really interested to th- hear what you guys think of just. Obviously, I was calling for his head. I didn't care about a Concacaf Nations League title. I certainly didn't care about a Gold Cup. I wanted him sacked probably this time last year, Nick. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. What after the first September window? Yeah, like when I we, wanted, I wanted when him. we drew Canada and and we didn't get a we didn't get a until that last game in. Uh, Bro, I probably wanted him gone since like you're a junior, right, Nick? I'm a sophomore. Oh right, so you wouldn't have been on WFUVFC. Okay, so we revived this going into my junior year. So yeah, probably the entire time I've been on FUVFC airwaves, I've wanted Greg Berhalter gone, which is a long time, and nothing has changed. And here we are. You're gonna World- graduate. Nothing will change. Yeah, I know. With the World Cup two weeks away, two weeks away, two months away. And we're still seeing the same Greg Berhalter performance from 2018, post-Bruce Arians, from 2019, from 2020, from 2021 to 2022, probably until he, you know, kicks the bucket in whatever he dies. Because (laughs) it's clear to me that the U.S. Soccer Federation will not move on for him for whatever reason, and he is costing this generation so much, and you guys touched on it, you know, whether Aaron or Long, Aaron Long should be there or not is one thing, but if you're going to run him out in a formation that is just catered to make him look like a below-average center back, shame on you. If you're you know realizing, hey, we've got these knocks, we can't play these guys, we're just going to plug in place you know guys that aren't like-for-like fits and definitely in terms of skill and just assume everything will work itself out, shame on you. And then his comment at the end of the game, which we kind of teased at the start of the show of him saying, you know, it didn't look like guys were mentally ready to give it their all today. It's your job. Who does that fall on besides you, bro? Yeah. You it's know, your job to get everybody mentally ready. So maybe, you know, lay off throwing 45-mile-an-hour strikes over the summer. You know, maybe if you're touching 80, I would respect you. But this is your job. You literally have no obligations. And you know what? Maybe this is why you were run out of the Swedish second division, bro. It's because you can't motivate players to play a style of soccer that you don't cater to them. So maybe, I mean, we've got two months now to figure it out. And, you know, it's going to be the classic Greg, Greg Berhalter of get absolutely thumped one game, look like I have no idea what I'm doing, and then go beat up on an inferior opponent. Not that Saudi Arabia is bad at soccer, but they're not as good as Japan is, and the United States is probably going to beat them 2-0, two 3-1, two some score like that. And then everyone's going to say, Oh, it was just a bad game. Oh, they weren't motivated. Oh, it was the first game of the window. It won't happen in Qatar. Then they're going to walk out against Wales, get pumped, walk out against England, get pumped, and then probably beat Iran and be like, oh, we almost made it, guys. We just needed help along the way. If he doesn't realize that the World Cup is not played in Columbus, Ohio, we are doomed (laughs) because this guy cannot win away from home. Hasn't won a match in his last seven away from home, and that's pathetic. Yeah, we win the World Cup if it's in Ohio. That's ours. But I agree. But in terms of Greg and motivating players, that's the thing where, like, that's, like, his thing, like, allegedly, is that he's maybe not the greatest tactician, but, like, everyone's like, oh, he's all the players like him. He's a good motivator. He's what a cool player guy. has said that? 
that's just I just it's kind of the vibe. No, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. every all every pundit's like, oh, he does. A, he's a really good no, managerial, you know, managerial coach. Maybe tactically, he's not all there, but he's great in the locker room. When have we ever heard a guy in the locker room go to bat for Greg Berhalter when people have been upset with him? Never, because no know. one gives a rat's behind about him. It looks like in in the. Like in the videos that U.S. Soccer puts out, it seems like he's pumping up the guys. They're like, "Yeah, let's go." But the funny thing is, is that talking about players not being motivated, I understand this is a friendly against Japan. The World Cup is a different thing. But if you think about a traditional World Cup where you're gonna have a four week long training camp, where you're gonna start with a bigger squad and you're gonna see who performs well, and the fringe guys get cut, then you're down to your final twenty three. This is Christian Pulisic is playing in the Premier League on Saturday. The next Saturday. Like, we're almost in action. It's like a one-week thing. That's like a pretty similar timeline to what the U.S. had to get ready for this game. So when you talk about players not being motivated, I get it. it's the World Cup soon, and they're going to be motivated for that when that comes along. But in terms of the time frame, it's like the same. you got to figure it out, how to motivate these guys. And I find it hard to believe that, like, Tyler Adams is not motivated. Like, that. that's just – Walker Zimmerman's not motivated. Like, those things just don't seem to be true to me. If you put players out there in a system that doesn't really suit their style of play and they struggle, it might look like they're unmotivated, but I don't think they are. I think if you put this group of guys in a position to succeed, they'd look a lot more motivated. It, it goes both ways. You can't you know, set up the team like in a shambolic manner tactically and just expect everybody to be out there running around in circles for, for 90 minutes, you know, chasing the ball like crazy men. It, it it's a two way street and Greg has not figured it out. He has two months to figure it out. I don't I'm I hope he will. I'll always root for him just because I want this team to do well. If he does well, that means the team does well, that means I'm happy. But just there's it's just not good enough too often. Too often it's performances like this, it's happening qualifying away from home. We're just there's nothing really to even take positively from it. The only thing you can take positively from this game was Matt Turner's performance. And that tells you that you played really, really bad if your goalie's performance is the only positive that you can take. And I feel like we've maybe danced around it a little bit, but if there's slack to be cut here just from a situational standpoint, like these guys on this U.S. team and just all the players in Europe in general and just everywhere who's going to the World Cup, they're in a position right now that has never happened. Like the World Cup to be on this point in the calendar and to have to leave your, like some of these guys are are like in races in these big European leagues right now and now they have to go leave and then play a pre-World Cup friendly against Japan. Like it's a situation that we've never seen before. So if there's going to be excuses for the manager, the players, the trainers, everyone, even the fans, everyone, it's going to be there and it's going to be, this has never happened before. This has never been how they've kind of had to set up and they never had to cut through a European competition to go play in the World Cup and I think that's where you can kind of look at it and say hey maybe we can, maybe we're giving these guys too much maybe we're being a little too hard on them but I think if we had to talk about the managerial situation if there's two words to describe it it's undeserved arrogance it's these the guy that can just go hey we can just go beat Japan we'll just throw out a regular like 4-3-3 out there like I'm playing FIFA 18 with Real Madrid and I want Bale, Ronaldo and Benzema up front like that's basically what he did there's no like nuance to this like formation tactically like there's nothing to it so I feel like it's just undeserved arrogance we haven't won anything as you said before between the CONCACAF and the Gold Cup like this team hasn't done anything of real significance and 
I feel like that they have to kind of keep that in mind and kind of have to stay hungry because if they think they're the big man in town because they want they beat Mexico a couple times, I think we're in a lot of trouble. And I'm I'm really worried about that that arrogance when we play somebody like England because if you look at England, you look at their squad, how stacked they are in all positions, you'd say, okay, maybe in this game, maybe we maybe we switch to a three. Maybe we do we we kind of adjust our tactics to maybe sit in a little bit deeper, hit him on the counter. I'm scared that we're going to come out and try and play like that against yeah. England and try to build out of the back and try and possess the ball, and we're going to get absolutely humiliated. I agree. I mean, in the Nations League final against Mexico in 2021, we came out with a three at the back and we adapted. That wasn't the prettiest game. We scored some set pieces, but you can't come out and play. You know, you, we played this game like we were playing a home qualifier in the way we we set up. In, in, the way, in the way we set up the midfield, we set up the attack, set up the defense. If we go out to Qatar and try to play a team like England, in that manner, we're just going to get torn to shreds, and it's going to be ugly, and Black Friday is going to be ruined, and my life will be over. So Greg needs to realize that he needs to adjust his tactics for the World Cup because obviously what we just saw is not working. I think the last thing I want to bring up is how much does the lack of playing time for some of these United States men's national team starters lack of playing time slash run of poor form because in this World Cup that we haven't seen before, you know, you normally get that, say, three-week window from European season ending to going into, you know, the World Cup camps where you can kind of press that proverbial reset and say, okay, whatever is done is done in the domestic league. I had a great season. I had a bad season. It doesn't matter. This is an entirely separate entity. But a guy like Christian Pulisic, we can take him, for example, or, you know, a guy like Matt Turner, who really sees no time with the Arsenal first team, which I guess doesn't matter because he balled out today. But a guy like Christian Pulisic, who struggles to get on the pitch for Chelsea, a guy like Serginho Dest, who's been in kind of slippery form since joining Milan at the start of this year. It's tough to say because Serie A is so topsy-turvy. In the way that, especially in the way that Milan plays, sometimes you think they're going to be the champions of Europe. The next day, you think they're going to Calcio B because they're terrible. Yeah. Syria B. But I digress. I'm just wondering. You know, we we know who the United States wants, and it's clear that Burhalter isn't like is prioritizing and leaving out Pfock. He's not prioritizing. You know, good runs of form. It's about who he wants. So, is there anything to be said about you know? Guys who aren't stepping up and not getting the playing time or the fo- or not in the form that they want to be in, leading into Qatar for the United States, and on you know the converse of that is MLS Cup playoffs will be kind of wrapping up when the World Cup gets going. Guys like Aaron Long, guys like Walker Zimmerman, guys like Jordan Morris. Even though if he makes the team, I will jump. Jesus Ferreira, another guy. Should we expect Greg to lean into these recent? you know, displays of talent for bubble guys. And for guys that we know are going to be in, if they continue to struggle in Europe, should we be even more worried than we are right now after this Japan game? I think form's a big thing. Um, When you talk about Jordan Morris, like Seattle's probably not going to make the playoffs this year. He's going to be on his couch. I'm sure he'll be training, but he's not going to have seen legitimate action for at least, you know, a month up until the World Cup. So I think that goes not in his favor at all. But... We've got a lot of guys right now who are like who made who made moves, whether it's Luca De La Torre or whether it's Serginio Dest, who made moves and aren't really starting at the moment. Luca's made some appearances off the bench, so is so is Dest. But I think we have less players playing, you know, regularly. Christian Pulisic is not playing as regularly as he did last season. 
even though he was off the bench a lot last season. He was really the first guy off the bench mainly, and he would get starts here and there. He hasn't started at all this season. He started, I, I think, one or two games in the Prem, but but yeah, for the most part, his playing time is, is really diminished even now that Grant Potter's manager. So I think we have more guys now that aren't playing. Ricardo Pepe is hopefully getting some minutes um, in the Netherlands on loan. But I think everybody thinks Greg takes form into account like a lot, but then you look at a guy like Pifak who's not in the fold and he's the leading scorer for a Bundesliga team that's in first place right now above Bayern Munich and above Borussia Dortmund. Sure, it's not going to stay that way, but <laughs> in terms of form, which is literally like what it means, it's a team in good form. He's playing some of the best soccer of his career. It helps. Gio Reyna is just starting to, to to start games again. I think that will help. But I think for this team to be successful, I think it would really be a major benefit if come November, guys like Gio Reyna are back starting every week. Luca De La Torre can maybe find his way into a little bit more of a role at Celta Vigo. Sergino Desk can find more of a role at AC Milan, although he just got there. I think if, if that can happen, I think it only benefits the team. Yeah, and I think... That's an interesting point when it comes to form in the club season while also going toward the World Cup because it's kind of like in the middle of it. But I also think that, on the other hand, it's in the middle of the season, but you're going to Qatar, you're playing for your country, you're playing in the World Cup. Like Form's just going to change naturally off nerves. Some guys will step up more because they play better in big games. Some guys will step down. But I do feel like it's interesting to think about how form is probably going to be the closest to club form that it's ever been for any World Cup, and it's pretty much going to be the exact same. But obviously mentality-wise and just the whole mental game, which is 60% of the game, is going to be definitely going to be different. Well, boys, I don't know if I'd say this was fun. It was definitely good to air... cathartic. Yeah, yeah, definitely good to um, air our grievances after a shambolic performance. U.S. is back in action on Tuesday against Saudi Arabia. I think that will tell us more about what to make of this Japan performance than anything else because if they perform well, we can say at least this team can respond to adversity. If they don't perform well, then... Panic button. Yeah, Qatar is... The group we've drawn for Qatar is one that you know you have to play good soccer for, and if you can't beat Japan or Saudi Arabia, looking to get out of that group will becomes extremely more and more concerning. If we crash out after I've waited eight years for this... That's 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 going to be a tough one to take. Yep. So, boys, we're going to leave it there. We'll hopefully be back early next week. Premier League back in action next week, too. So we'll tease that return as well as recap the United States versus Saudi Arabia. Big shout-out to Michael Hernandez behind the glass. James Burley, oh, where, oh, where are you, my friend? Nowhere to be seen. Chris hopping in, first appearance. Great stuff, Chris. Mr. Guzman, you got called out. You answered the bell. Pleased to have you back here. That's all we got. Have a good weekend. U.S. on Tuesday. WFUV Sports is the producer of this podcast entitled FUVFC. Later. Later.